0: Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Uh, I would like to take just a few moments here at the front end to kind of catch us up on what we've been doing. Uh, we had Easter last week, big celebration. And so I just want to get us back into the flow and tell you where we're going. Here over the next um, few weeks, uh, Jesus is going to be helping us in dealing with fear. Did anybody address anything related to fear over the past, you know, I don't know, year or so, Um, he's going to be helping us uh, with this. And so uh, today actually is a a bridge. Uh, The discipline that we're going to be talking about today bridges us between um, kind of what we've uh, been talking about, what Jesus has shown in this next section um, on fear. And so at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus opens up uh, for us the kingdom. And he says to us, there are all sorts of people who uh, the, the world would pass by, the world would uh, forget about, the, 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 those who have been uh, uh, blacklisted or any number of other ways to put it. And he says, hey, this, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the heavens is at hand for folks just like this. And it is such an amazing thing that it transforms us. It makes us um, salt that, that um, flavors and preserves the world. It makes us light that lets other people see. And um, in... in as it begins its work in us, what we realize is that there is a genuine goodness that is available to us in the kingdom of God that is radically different than the other goodness um, uh, apparatus that is out there. Everybody else works kind of from the outside in. Jesus is working from the inside out. And that's good news for you and for me. He works here and he begins to transform us uh, from the inside out. He gives us pictures in Matthew chapter 5 of what this genuine goodness looks like. It looks like anger he says, that that can um, learn actually to, to be loving um, towards others. It looks like desires, um, as they get out of whack, they don't become uh, the gravitational center of our lives. It looks like marriages um, and and uh, uh, words where yeses are yeses and noes are noes, and we don't need manipulation um, in that. It looks like being able to make neighbors of even those who are um, our enemies, and it looks like being able to trust God in his providential care of all uh, that is. And then he invites us. After all of that, he says to us, so I want you to be perfect, complete, whole. Even, Even as your heavenly father is, he invites us into a kind of life, into this kind of life. And then what he does is he begins to give us some tools to put some things in our tool belts so that we begin to operate this way. Um, And and this is the section of the Sermon on the Mount in which we find ourselves. Matthew chapter 6, he's addressing these disciplines. Now, um, if you have been around, you've seen this before, and it will probably show back up uh, over the next uh, several weeks at different times. This is uh, the little prescription, if you will, for spiritual growth. You want to grow spiritually, uh, this is a good thing to kind of keep in your mind. If you haven't already jotted it down, it's a good thing to do. Uh, This is a triangle, this this, uh, triangle of spiritual growth. And If we uh, build each of these three pieces into our lives uh, by the grace of God and in the power of his spirit, we will grow and we will experience life in his kingdom. It starts foundationally with the word that we are the people who hear the word of God and we do the word of God because it's not enough to hear it. We get to do it also. But the amazing thing is, is that there's a God who speaks to us. We don't have to guess as to what he's like, what he likes, what he wants from us he tells us. And so we're people who spend time in the word and let it um, uh, dwell in us. And then on the right side of the triangle, we'll take this one first. um, There are trials that happen to us in our lives. And there are things that we can only learn in the school of trials, which is why God helps us to get there and then helps us to get out out of it. Now, if we're knuckleheads and don't learn enough, don't learn rightly as we step into the trial, God is gracious enough and he is kind enough and good enough to us to... Let us go back through the trial again. And you think, that sounds like misery. No, it's mercy. It's mercy. And then this last part is where we are. As I said, this uh, left portion is is these practices, these disciplines. And um, in in Matthew chapter 6 so far, we have covered the discipline of giving because giving breaks greed and materialism. Uh, We've covered the discipline of prayer, spent several weeks on prayer. Because prayer breaks a kind of self-reliance and independence that is ours. And then today we're going to talk about the third one. So I'd like to go ahead uh, and jump into the text. And then we'll talk about how they work. Specifically how this particular uh, um, discipline works. And then we'll do some, uh, some things around this discipline. So Matthew chapter 6 verse 16. And when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others truly. Truly. I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. Modern day version would be something like take a shower, change your clothes, put on deodorant. Please put on deodorant. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but your father, uh, who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret, will reward you. Now, has anybody ever heard a sermon on fasting before? If you have, raise your hand. You've been around here. We've talked about it before. This is one of those things. Okay. And so, I want to put uh, this particular discipline in a broader context, and then we'll drill down a little bit. How do the practices that we're talking about work? How do these disciplines work? First of all. Um, they, uh, we're doing what we can in these moments so that we are ready to do what we can't. Uh, we're doing what we can right now so that tomorrow we can do uh, what we cannot t- today. And so this is the way the, discipline, the disciplines shape us, the practices shape us. Secondly, our practices, as it says, do, do shape us. Now, jokingly, I've said this, but this is true. Um, if our discipline is eating tacos, let the church say amen it will shape us. Yes. Our practices shape us for good or for ill. Um, if we are runners exercise, it will shape us. It will shape us. Our, this, our spiritual practices shape us as well. And thirdly, we need both a very clear motivation, not for others, not for the applause of others. Jesus is very clear about this. If you do these things for the applause of others, guess what? You get your reward, but that's all you get. We need both a motivation as well as a consistency um, in our practice. And what Jesus is working on here, he says it in verse 16 and verse 17, and when, but when, he assumes that we will practice these things. Because Jesus assumes we will practice these these disciplines because he assumes that we need help with greed or with self-reliance or with unruly desires. Anybody? You, You have... Do you have those symptoms? Greed, materialism, self-reliance, independence, desires that seem to just come out of nowhere and take over. This is what Jesus is wanting uh, to address. And so uh, in this particular uh, Uh, discipline. He's speaking about fasting. And I want to give us a definition here uh, so that everybody's on the same page. Fasting doesn't get talked a lot uh, about in the Western church, uh, but here we are. Fasting is abstaining from something that you live on for your spiritual growth. Now, most of the time in the Bible, when the Bible talks about fasting, it's talking about abstaining from? Abstaining from food. Now, I said specifically something that you live on, because that food certainly is something that you live on. But, um, Some of you, the thing that you live on the most is in your hand, right this very second. Am I wrong? Not wrong. So when you get your screen time report, you know, an hour or so ago, like here it comes with, you know, 48 hours. Are you kidding me? I thought there was only 24 in a day. Here you are. You abstain from something that you live on. So it may be, it may be. That the thing that you live on may need to go into a drawer is what may need to happen. But typically, it's um, from fasting. When we talk about fasting, we're talking about abstaining from something like food. Certainly, it is something uh, that you live on, and and we do so for the sake of spiritual growth. I say that last part in particular because there are movements out there. uh, For instance, intermittent fasting and stuff is kind of big right now. Uh, There are movements out there that say, man, you fast, you have great benefits. There are great health benefits. Awesome. Fantastic. But the kind of fasting that we're talking about, it may have health benefits, but we're specifically talking about fasting that is for the sake uh, of spiritual growth. How does fasting work then? What does it do? It breaks. Fasting breaks these unruly desires off of us because it teaches me that I don't have to have, um, uh, excuse me, I don't have to get what I want. I don't have to get um, what I want. Um, how then do we go about practicing this? I want to pick back up with, with Jesus' teaching here. And when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They distribute their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say they've received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. So here's, I'm going to give you two R words, and then we'll try to get into some practical things. Two R words. Number one, let's talk about routine. How how do we practice. We, we practice fasting with a view to our routine. Desires are in us. Uh, they come up out of us. And how do we tame them? So people have tried any number of ways. I'm going to get on, um, you know, the kind of spiritual treadmill and just wear myself out, not actually going anywhere. Um, they have said, oh God, here I am again. And I'm just going to sit here and just sit here until you fix this in me. But this is not how God works. We are to practice these things, and by fasting, we're saying I'm going to abstain from this this particular physical uh, um, expression of abstention. I, I, I'm going to abstain from this physically. And what I learn throughout my entire life is I don't have to have I don't have to get what I want. I don't have to. I learned this in other areas as well. Um, specifically, when it comes to routine, um, what, what fasting when we view uh, when we do it with a, a view. Um, to routine, um, it reminds us that the kingdom of God is for our everyday life. That the kingdom is for our everyday life. When we fast, what happens? We abstain from food. And what we find is that somehow, somewhere along the way, Jesus sustains us. That there is a way that Jesus energizes us, encourages us, gives us sustenance. And we figure out that, hey, I, I'm abstaining here, but somehow, way. He is sustaining me. I'm upstanding over here, but he is sustaining me. Jesus Himself talked about this in John chapter 4. Disciples came back from town, and they're like, hey, boss, you hungry? He's like, man, I got food you don't know about. He's like, uh, I don't understand that. You've been fasting all day. Wait, did, did somebody bring you some food? No, no, no. My food is to do the will of my Father. And there's something real about that that God the Father sustained Jesus as He did, as He did um, His will. Some of us think about fasting as misery, but as I said a while ago, it's actually mercy. Us disciplining ourselves in this particular way, we think about it as misery, but really it's mercy. And because we understand that it's mercy, it is a a path that we get to walk that God will grow us in. That helps us. To be in secret. We don't need a lot of affirmation from somebody else. We don't need the applause of someone else. It helps us to stay in secret. And it's in this right here that this is where faith and fasting meet. It's where they meet. Because we go about our everyday life. Again, I just point you back to verse 17. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. Again, take a shower, put on deodorant, change your clothes. Go on about your everyday life. And what we find is that as we go on about our everyday life, Jesus sustains us. And we have time then, because we're not spending time eating, we have time then to maybe do other special things. We serve, we pray, we read our Bibles, we do something different. Um, I, I want to emphasize this one more time because it reminds us that the kingdom is for our everyday life. Some people live with the idea that the kingdom of God equals heaven and somewhere down the way in in my timeline of my life, uh, in the timeline of my life, I am going to experience the kingdom of God. That is not the way the Bible talks about the kingdom of God. Listen, heaven is a glorious byproduct of living life with Jesus right now. That's what it is. You and I get the opportunity to live with him now. And because we're living with him now, we get to live with him forever. So the kingdom is right here. So it, some people say, oh, well, when the kingdom comes, it's all going to be right. The kingdom, Jesus says, is at hand. It is right here. It is, it is right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's in our midst. It's, this is how he talks about it. If I have to wait to experience the kingdom and all of its glory and power, then listen, I need help today. Is anybody with me? Like, I need help with stuff going on today. I need, I need help to do the things that Jesus wants me to do today so I don't have to just grit my teeth and hold on until heaven. He wants to do things in me and he wants to do things through me right now. It reminds us that the kingdom, when we fast and experience the sustaining power of Jesus, it reminds us that the kingdom is for everyday life. And listen to me, and this is where it bridges into this next section of the sermon. That absolutely wrecks our fear. It wrecks it. When we figure out that we can go without and Jesus still somehow sustains us. Does anybody know the phrase FOMO, the fear of missing out? This is what we figure out. No, I'm actually intentionally missing out and I get something better. I have a fear of not getting what I want. I am entitled to what I want. But yet I figure out that Jesus offers me something better. I have an urgency. I mean, we have built a whole mega company around two-day shipping. And now, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Now we're mad if it is two-day shipping. Like we want it the next day or the same day. We click the thing to make sure that it can get here like in the next four hours. Oh, if I don't have it. And what we do is we say, oh, no, 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 no. By, by putting ourselves, by practicing this discipline of fasting, it wrecks our fear that we're going to miss out, that it won't get here on time. We we see that. Listen, even when we don't see it, Jesus is working. He's working, and, and it, he's working in me, and he's working through me. So. It wrecks, it absolutely wrecks our fear. And secondly, it, it keeps us, when we practice this as a routine, it keeps us from simple ceremony. Um, and I just point you backwards uh, to verse 16. Don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. They disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. If you were a good spiritual, religious Jew in the first century, Monday and Thursday were your fast days, and you put ash in your hair and mark your body and wear certain clothes, And this, kind of, this is the context of what Jesus is talking about. And, and the comments about... Um, uh, uh, about this are, are mainly pointed to, hey man, just go on about your life and act like God's going to be with you because he's going to be with you. It keeps us from mere ceremony. In fact, if we're only fasting for ceremony, if we're only fasting to be seen by others, if we're only fasting um, in this particular way with a, a, a view to, okay, this is one, this one, then that actually... Negates what we're going into. In Isaiah chapter 58, you can go look it up later, uh, the people of God are before the Lord and they're like, hey God, we pray and we fast and you don't seem to listen. What's the deal? And God comes along and says, through the prophet Isaiah, hey knuckleheads, the kind of fasting that you're doing right now where it's all ceremonial, because like you show up on Monday and Wednesday, here I am, God, this is me fasting and you mistreat the people who work for you. You you are uh, uh, rude and, and you put up terrible things on Facebook. Um, uh, you know, you, you don't speak the truth in the other areas of your life. Like your entire life is a wreck, but you're coming to me on Monday and Thursday. Here I am, God. God's like, no, no, this is not the fast. That's not the fast that I require. So... Um, it, fasting to be seen or fasting because of ceremony, man, if we just build it into our routine, it actually helps us. um, uh, it, It actually helps us grow and it keeps us from being simply ceremonial. Now, does that mean that if you don't feel like fasting, you shouldn't fast? It is a discipline. Like when you don't feel like fasting, that probably is the time you should. I mean, it is a discipline, but You don't fast for mere ceremony. The second R word I want to encourage you toward so we got routine. Second R word is rhythm. Routine, this is a, a, a part of my life and, a, and an important part of my spiritual growth. Rhythm is the consistency with which it happens. Rhythm is a consistency uh, with which it happens. Um, the, the reason why I, I think the needs, you need to build in a rhythm for this, if you when you practice this, not if, when you practice this, uh, you need to build a rhythm into this is because the power of fasting is actually in the cumulative effect. And let me just uh, illustrate it this way. Did anybody grow up playing outside? And uh, when you got hot and thirsty, you went to the thing on the side. You didn't go get a Capri Sun or a Gatorade out of the drink fridge or anything like that. You went to the side of the house, you turned the little spigot, and you held up the hose. Who's with me there? Yes, yes, yes. Many times, many times. You, you knew that you had some sort of person who was inexperienced with this when you're all hot and sweaty. Okay, let's go get a drink, water break. So you run over to the hose. And the person grabs the hose and like holds it up to their face before it's even turned on. You knew that was a rookie. You think to yourself, this is a rookie mistake right here. In fact, if you were really mean, you'd like go ahead and just stick it right up to your face, man. Because what happens? Everybody in Texas knows that the first, I don't know, four or five seconds of water coming out of that hose, it's about 463 degrees. Yes? Yes? And not just hot water that comes out. Uh, I mean, you've got like leaves and lizard parts and a bug or two that shoot. Yes? Are you with me? Yes, this is what happens. So if you are a rookie and you stick it up, what is going to happen? There is going to be a bunch of ugly that comes at you and you're going to think to yourself, this is not refreshing. (laughs) And you'd be right. It's not. It's not. You have to kind of let the the, the good pressure of the cool or coolish water push all the ugly out. Then it can be refreshing. Yes? This is what fasting does. It creates inside of us a kind of internal pressure. And then it comes out of us. Now, the first few things, the first time or times that you fast, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be mad about everything. You will be irritable. You will be frustrated. You, all the things that will drive you a little bit nuts are going to drive you like a lot nuts. That's just true. Because what's happening, the things that are inside of you, there's a pressure building up. and It's that first few minutes of spiritual, like blazing hot water and bugs and leaves and stuff. It's going to push all the ugly out. And then the refreshing will come. The power is in the cumulative effect. And and so the idea is not to fast for fasting's sake. The idea is to grow in godliness. And so you have to build in a kind of rhythm that allows that power to be at work in you. Secondly, as you build a rhythm in, you actually prevent um, the legalism um, that, that you want to avoid, you actually prevent it through consistent practice because because you know that it's going to be part of your rhythm. There are things um, that will be funny or or you know you're like oh ah, I didn't see that coming and and you won't you won't get frustrated about it. you won't get legalistic. Um, uh, several years ago, the church that um, we moved here from, uh, we did some teaching on fasting, and uh, this particular lady named Kim, uh, she came up to me uh, actually uh, uh, called me called me excuse me midweek, uh, and she said hey. Uh, y'all turn on fasting and I just want you to know I really messed up okay she said "I, I was there I was making my kids sandwich peanut butter and jelly for the morning gonna send them off to school every parent in here knows exactly what went down right you make the peanut butter and jelly you do the cut you slide it in the bag and what do you do with the knife people what do you do you lick that sucker or scrape it with your teeth or however it is that you remove the things. And she's like, I did it. And I broke my fast by licking the knife. And I'm like, shame on you. You're not a good Christian. You probably should go to a different church. You know, that's terrible. No, of course not. What do you say in that moment? You're like, you'll do, you'll be, you're great. Go for it. I mean, you know, okay. So you lick the knife. Just, just go on about you. Like you, you have, the, when these kind of consistent, when you have this built in, to your consistent practice, guess what? Sometimes you lick the knife out of habit and you're like, oh, and you just kind of chuckle about it. You don't have to get all legaliz- legalistic about it. Just build it into your life and actually, as you do so, it prevents that kind of legalism that you want uh, to do. So let me give you a couple of possible outcomes. In addition, in addition to the formation of your soul into Christ-likeness, in addition to the breaking off of, of these unruly desires, and I mean, just think about it. if you can teach yourself that you don't have to have what uh, uh, you don't have to get what you want. Um, all of the areas in your life uh, where you could see profound spiritual growth. In addition to that, here are four that the New Testament um, specifically uh, lays out. I, I chose all New Testament. There's all sorts of examples from the Old Testament, just from the New Testament, though. Here you go. Number one, um, there there are po- a, a possible outcome is a divine encounter with God in a way that you don't normally encounter God. There's something about the sensitivity that comes with um, fasting. Um, it heightens your spiritual sensitivity, and you can uh, have, it, not necessarily so, but you can have divine encounters with God. I, I put Anna, uh, the prophetess, in Luke chapter 2. Uh, she knew that there was something amazing coming, and so she fasted and stayed in the temple. And, and then uh, the, the child, Jesus, showed up, and she's like, Holy cow, I have seen God's Messiah. Of all the things that I get to be a part of, I've seen the, this is unbelievable. Luke chapter two, Uh, and a divine encounter. Uh, Secondly, um, there are specific and sometimes powerful answers to prayer. In Acts chapter 14, uh, that, uh, they are praying for elders uh, in the churches uh, that they have planted there. And God answers them with these godly leaders who are going to help those churches be established and grow. He, and, and sometimes we, when we add fasting to our prayer, it puts an exclamation point on the end of that. And it uh, kind of rings some alarm bells, so to speak, in the spiritual realm. Hey, we want this. We want it. Thirdly, Um, divine guidance. Um, In Antioch, they were gathered worshiping and fasting before the Lord, it says in in Antioch, uh, excuse me, in uh, Acts chapter 13. Uh, And and the spirit says to them, you need to set aside Paul and Barnabas for a mission. And they do so. And so there was divine guidance and the the way that that shapes the known world. Just think about that, how God changed the world through that particular moment. And lastly, spiritual power. Now, this is close enough in the Bible. I just want to uh, back up here and, and read it. But this is Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. And l- listen to this. I'll just read the first two verses of Matthew 4. But this is the temptation narrative. Here's what he says. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Can we just pause here for a second? Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There are times when the Spirit of God leads us into the place that's hard. Nobody said amen, so let me, let me try this one more time, right? There are times when the Spirit of God leads us into the place that is hard. Yeah, okay, half of you. Heard. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And here we go, to be tempted by the devil tried to be put in a position and you're like... Hey, that's not nice. There are times when the Spirit of God leads us into places like that. Just like it did with Jesus. So, so look what happened. Uh, this is verse 2. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And this is when the devil came along. He's like, hey, how about stones to bread and all that stuff. So he knew. Here's the thing. Some people think, oh, poor little Jesus. He was fasting, and then then the devil came along and was like, oh, come here, let's do this. No, no, no. Jesus knew he was going to be tempted by the devil. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. So because he knew he was going to face this, what did he do? He fasted. He was deriving spiritual power to face the enemy by his fasting. And there is spiritual power that gets released to us because of this kind of practice. In, uh, in Mark chapter 9, similar story. This is with Peter. Uh, Jesus has come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John are with him. There's this uh, group of people uh, who are gathered around this kid who has uh, some significant problems uh, in his life. And the dad has brought the kid to the disciples, and they can't do anything about it. And then there are other people who are arguing with them about why they can't do people, why they can't do anything about it, and which is just a whole different sermon for a different day. But if you've got people around you who are arguing with you about why things aren't getting done... Instead, just be the people who do stuff, right? Like, be the people who help. You can argue about it later. Yes. Okay. Whole different sermon. Um, Jesus shows up on the scene, and um, the, the dad's like, "Oh, I brought him to your disciples. They can't do anything. If you can do something, that'd be amazing." Because my kid, man, my heart is breaking for my kid. And Jesus says, "If, if, 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 if I can." Everything's possible for the one who believes in the Father in just gut level, I mean, right out of his soul. Oh, I, I believe, but there are parts of me that don't believe, so help my unbelief, please. Jesus deals with the darkness that the kid is experiencing. The kid is given back to his dad. Peter comes back later. He's like, uh, hey, chief, um, we, we couldn't do anything about that. Why not? Jesus says, hey, some of these only come out with prayer. And there are a good segment of um, manuscripts that say prayer and fasting. So there's a a way to think about us engaging in the disciplines that brings us spiritual power. And and you might hear in your mind Peter saying, well, had we known that we were going to encounter something like this, we would have prayed and fasted. And Jesus is like, that's it. Because you don't know what you're going to encounter. Therefore, you need to be ready. So build this in to your rhythm. Build this into the, the normal part of your life and spiritual power may be yours. Let me give you four points of very practical advice and then I'm going to pray. Number one, uh, if you have not fasted, if you don't have a normal uh, routine of this, if, you, if this is not part of your life, start with a 24-hour fast. This is just pastoral advice. Start with a 24-hour fast. Like eat lunch, Skip dinner and breakfast and then eat lunch. And, oh, can I drink water? Yes, please drink water. Can I drink coffee? If that's what's Drink coffee. Like, just, just start with 24 hours. You can expand from there if necessary, if you want to, if it's, if it's helpful to you. But start with 24 hours. Secondly, you want to plan accordingly. Uh, you've got uh, family dinner on Tuesday. Tuesday is probably not the day you want to fast. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the time. Oh, I forgot about this or whatever. Just plan, plan accordingly. Here's the thing. But if you don't have a plan, you won't fast. That's the truth. Don't have a plan, but plan accordingly. Thirdly, and this is probably, what the, these last two are the most important, I think. Um, turn every rumble into prayer. So every time your stomach turns over, or if you did take your phone and slide it into a closet or into your safe or into wherever, every time you instinctively reach for it, turn that Turn every rumble into prayer. Here's what happens. You you were there and maybe you're um, uh, uh, working on something or drinking water, or whatever. What your body will do is remind you to pray. It'll happen. And then you just say out loud, God, more than I want food, I want you. I want you. And I'd like for you to move in this situation. I'd like for you to move. Um, in you know my marriage. I'd like for you to move with my kid or I'd like for you to, to help me, give me strength to walk through these days as my parents get to the places of where they need to get. Um, I, I would like for you to give me guidance on this particular issue or give, give me favor in this particular work um, situation. God, more than, any, more than I want food right now, I want you and I want you to move because there's a person in my life that I've been praying for for a year, my one, I want salvation for this person. And you just pray. You pray and you, you, you turn every rumble into a prayer. And lastly, you expect God to move. You expect God to move. Um, he likes working on our behalf. It brings him delight and joy. And so we just expect God to move as a result of this. He may not move in the ways that we think he will. He may not move on the time frame that we think he should. But we should expect God. We should expect God to move. So what I would like to do is just have a moment to pray. Some of you may need to sit with your notes and fill out a few more things. Some of you may need to open a calendar and put some things in. Some of you may need to do any number of things. But what I'd like to do is just have a minute to pray and let this settle down where it needs to settle down. I think this is a good challenge. I think it's a really important challenge to take seriously. So let's, let's pray. And Father, now, in Jesus' name and for the sake of his people here and watching online, God, would you, by your spirit, bring it down to where we are. Put it in our lives on a Monday and on a Wednesday and Put it in our lives and our addresses and our workplaces. Among our neighbors. Would you move, Father? Would you work? Would you do? Holy Spirit, what we need is not another religious activity so we can check a box so that you can look down on us and go, oh, look, aren't they being great little kids? What we need is for you to go to work in us and help us and shape us so that we can do the things that you want us to do. And this particular practice is such an important part. Lord, as we um, as we personally kind of process this and try to work through it, just over everybody here, over those watching online, we don't do it. To earn your favor. We do it because we already have it. And we do it because this is what makes us more like Jesus. So please um, use this practice and make us like Jesus. That's what we want more than anything.